Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan. In season one, we explored many cosmetic procedures and skincare. Then in season two, we discussed reconstructive plastic surgery, including a few episodes on hand surgery. If you're interested in hearing about any of those topics, please scroll back through the past episodes to find what intrigues you. And now in this season three, we are tackling general questions that people have about plastic surgery. So today we're talking about the concept of aesthetic or cosmetic procedures and what makes them different. Also, who is choosing to have them performed? Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and my opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight, even if you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. In reviewing surveys of plastic surgeons' practices by both the American Society for Plastic Surgery and also the Aesthetic Society, it's been reported that over $16 billion were spent on over 15 million cosmetic procedures in 2020. And that was a COVID year, so numbers were down. But who are the people having these procedures? And what constitutes a cosmetic or aesthetic procedure anyway? By the way, throughout this episode, when I use the term procedures, it is meant to be a global one and may include injections like Botox and fillers and topical skin treatments like lasers, as well as surgeries. In addition, I'm using the terms cosmetic and aesthetic interchangeably, since for our purposes here, they mean essentially the same thing. So first, let's take a minute to define exactly what an aesthetic procedure is. It is an intervention that has as its primary goal the changing of the appearance of an involved body part, rather than changing the function or being medically indicated. In other words, cosmetic surgery is not a medical requirement for that specific body part to function properly. And the motivations for such aesthetic interventions vary widely, as you can imagine. Mostly it's to improve one's mental or psychological state. In other words, to achieve a personal satisfaction with one's own appearance. So it's an internal decision. And right or wrong, external factors can play a part as well, such as social norms and aspirations, interpersonal relationships and employment issues, etc. Cosmetic surgery is also distinguished from reconstructive surgery, which tries to restore a body part that has either been lost or was never properly formed. This definition can get a little sticky, however, when it comes to the question of insurance coverage for a procedure, but we'll get into that a little bit later in this episode. Aesthetic or cosmetic surgery also falls into the category of elective surgery, but of course not all elective surgery is cosmetic in nature. Technically, elective surgery just means surgery that can be scheduled ahead for a convenient time and that it's not urgent or emergent. So the broad category of elective surgery can include cosmetic surgery, but also includes medically indicated procedures that can be put off indefinitely. Well, are you curious who undergoes aesthetic procedures? According to the statistics for 2020, nearly 10% of cosmetic procedures are sought out by men and 90% by women. Less invasive procedures are actually much more common than surgical procedures. And there are age patterns we see as well. Reviewing statistics for the last few years, in the age under 30 group, 
Much of the focus of surgical goals has been on body changes which may highlight secondary sexual features, such as breast augmentation. Though more recently, that has been overtaken by an increasing number of younger people who are having injectables like Botox and lip filler, as well as nose reshaping, often due to concern about appearances in selfie photos and on screen. It turns out that due to the short distance perspective involved, selfie photos can actually artificially make our noses appear wider than they truly are. In the next segment, ages 35 to 50 give importance to body rejuvenation, such as after childbearing, including breast surgeries, tummy tuck, and liposuction. And they are starting to combat signs of facial aging. This includes injectables and facial laser treatments, though surgical procedures of the face are seen as well, particularly eyelid lifts. In the population aged 55 on up, the body is still of concern, but less so. An anti-aging intervention for facial appearance takes prominence. Less invasive treatments are still the prevailing choice, but face and neck lift procedures, eyelid lifts, and brow lifts are much more common than body procedures and lead the pack in terms of what surgeries are most frequently performed. So, we previously talked about how the concept or goal of a cosmetic procedure is different from other surgery, but how else is aesthetic surgery different from other elective surgery? There are a couple of different ways. First, from the patient's point of view, there is a different mindset that is required for an aesthetic procedure. What I mean by mindset is that there must be a certain determination to undergo this procedure and see it through, since it was a personal choice. There must be motivation to deal with possible surgical risks, post-operative pain, required aftercare, and full recovery downtime. And as a consequence of this mindset, patients also typically have higher standards and expectations for the aesthetic outcome as compared to a medically necessary procedure. There's a higher emphasis on the appearance, though expectations must still be realistic, and unfortunately there can be no guarantee as to results despite best efforts. You can actually learn more about this concept in episode number 32 on the limits of plastic surgery. Secondly, and more practically speaking, the payment system for cosmetic procedures is different as well. It is typically what's called self-pay. Rarely are aesthetic procedures ever covered by insurance. How does self-pay work? Well, for a short in-and-out office procedure that doesn't require anesthesia beyond perhaps local or topical numbing, such as injectable filler or Botox or a facial laser treatment, there's usually a flat fee that the patient pays at the time of the procedure. But when we start talking about a cosmetic surgery, there are typically three components to the financial charges incurred by each surgery. Number one, the facility fee, which includes the cost of using the operating room and its staff, as well as the equipment and supplies. It's often an hourly charge, but not always. Number two, the anesthesia fee, which includes anesthesia staff and their supplies. And number three, the surgeon's fee, which is the actual charge for the surgeon performing the procedure. Typically, these fees are paid up front and are capped or all-inclusive. However, that is not always the case, especially if the surgery ends up being a more complicated one and takes more time than usual. That could mean some add-on fees later, but this possibility would ideally have been discussed between the surgeon and the patient prior to even starting the procedure. Sometimes the three cost segments can be bundled together rather than be paid separately to the three entities, but it depends on the individual arrangements that the surgeon has with the particular facility involved. 
Now, some patients have wondered if you can't just tack the facility and anesthesia fees onto an insurance-covered surgery that is already being performed, such as if you're having a tummy tuck procedure at the same time as, say, a hernia repair. Unfortunately, that may be considered insurance fraud. And these days, most surgical facilities are required to enter on the intraoperative record what time the insurance procedure stopped and the cosmetic procedure started to make billing more transparent. Others have wondered if the surgeon can just label the aesthetic procedure a necessary surgery so insurance would cover it, since a patient considers it, quote, necessary for whatever reason and not just cosmetic. But unfortunately, that doesn't fly because each surgical procedure has a five-digit numeric code called a CPT code that is always assigned to it. And codes for procedures that are most often cosmetic will automatically be flagged by a person or computer software at the insurance company. Plus, as you can imagine, that's not considered ethical if the surgeon knows it's a purely cosmetic procedure. Yet occasionally, we can have a situation where both the surgeon and the patient may consider a procedure in a particular case to be more medically indicated and not purely cosmetic in nature. However, the insurance company does not agree and won't cover it despite appeals. This ultimately renders it a self-pay procedure. Yes, sometimes insurance companies have a lot of power. Well, if you step back and take a hard look at the concept of aesthetic surgery, it may actually seem odd to alter the body purely for appearance sake. But it's been going on for ages, and our current society has an increasing predilection for it. So the taboos of years past seem to be all but gone. These days, people feel freer to do what they wish, especially if it gives them a psychological boost. Over the years, the aesthetic norms have shifted as social and cultural norms shift, and even a decade or two from now, they will have migrated yet again. For example, think of how favored very full buttocks are now as compared to 30 years ago. It's a similar situation with trends for the appearance or fullness of the lips and the size of women's breasts. Yes, standards of beauty change, though thankfully, they seem to be expanding rather than narrowing, especially with the increasing mutual awareness of different cultures in the world. As a society, we do tend to live in the moment, so any worries about whether or how appearance norms may change in the future seem less of a concern at the time of a procedure. This may lead to some eventual regret here and there after having more permanent surgeries done, though frankly, by the time collective goals for desired appearance have morphed into something else, the lifespan of any particular procedure is likely to have already run its course, and a revision or further enhancement may be in order anyway. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something, too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.